Yeah, so I don't have my normal production computer for this week's episode, so I don't have the intro or outro music that we usually use. Uh, and I'm not even on this episode. It's going to be Jason Lucart and special guest host Matt Schlichting to take over the reins for this week. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy. It'll just be lacking some intro and outro music. It's all still edited and all that good stuff. Just wanted to get it out on time, even without the music. So, hope you enjoy. Oh, it has to get louder now. Welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. Uh, this week, Matt Lyons is not with us. He's either out at a family dinner, or catching Pokemon, or he fell in the shower, or he doesn't have the right computer. It's one of those four things. I'm not going to tell you which, and he can't tell you which until next week. Uh, so with me tonight is our other Matt, Matt Schlichting. Matt, how's it going? Pretty well. Uh, it's been a it's been a Thursday so far, which is good. It'd be strange if I woke up on Thursday and it was a different day. Do you find that your weekdays is like you know, Friday the best, Monday the worst, and just the closer you get to the end, the better they are? I'm thinking more and more. It's just like all of the, the middle days of the week have been thrown into a blender, and I could have a really great Monday, and then Wednesday is just going to be terrible, and I'll get home after work and stare at the floor for three hours. So it, it's pretty much back and forth. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so the Indians, when, when Matt and I talked last week, uh, had been in – Sort of a mini tailspin, uh, but then right after we talked, they started playing the Angels, and things uh, turned around in a big way, sweeping a four-game series, scoring approximately 372 runs, uh, and then since then, they lost a close one to Boston, and they've split the first two games against the White Sox, and as we're talking, they're losing 4-2 in the seventh in the rubber match. Um what are your first thoughts on the last week of Indians baseball? It was pretty fun. You guys were talking about going into the Angels series and how very bad they've been this year, despite having the greatest player in baseball pretty much in Mike Trout. And I think Matt mentioned that anything other than a sweep would be disappointing. And not only did they sweep the Angels, but that's probably the best the offense has looked all season because it was 14 runs 13 runs and then they picked up five in the last two so almost 300 plus it, it definitely felt that way <laughs> yeah scoring double figures and not only double figures but you know 14 and 13 back to back uh, i'm surprised i haven't looked up the last time the indians did that or how many times they did that because that's exactly the sort of minor trivia that I'm usually drawn towards, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't happen much. Um, so is there, what player in a, in a positive way, what player from the last week or so stands out for you? I think, and I, I believe it was in, it was one of the last couple of games, but they let Geyer hit. Um, usually he gets platoon, but he he picked up a start against right-handed pitching and did really well. And ever since he's he's been on the team, he's done really well. And I'm trying to remember specifically Tyler Naquin came back and had a couple of really good games against the Angels as well. I know in the last game he went three for four 
picked up an RBI and scored a run. And it was good to see him sort of get back on track a little bit after, I think he, he was like 0 for 19 or something with seven or eight strikeouts at one point. So it was definitely nice to see him pick things back up a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's you know, I have like the, the last week's worth of offensive numbers in front of me right now. And uh, my preferred offensive metric is weighted runs created plus, which can be found on Fangraphs. And it's bonkers. Like Abraham Almonte was the I worst regular him. in the last week in terms of weighted runs created plus. Uh, and he hit 350 last week. Yeah, I was going like, to say, he had a pretty good week. <laughs> Brandon Geyer, who you mentioned, batting uh, batted 471 in the last week. Uh, you know, Napoli, a couple big hits again. Jose Ramirez continues to be great. Uh, Kipnis, it's just like you can run down like almost the entire everything but catcher. You can look at and uh, and everything's was, has been great. Um, what about on the pitching side? Do you? I did a radio spot earlier today, and they asked me what the Indians needed to do to make themselves serious contenders. And I said they're already serious contenders, but the one thing I would like uh, is for the starting rotation to collectively get things going a little bit more. Um, are you concerned at all about the rotation? Do you think it's just a couple bad starts? Uh, is there anyone in particular who stands out that you're worried about? It feels like they've sputtered a little bit. They're not. There hasn't been a time where all of the starters have been playing well at the same time, I think, since the winning streak ended. I know Kluber in the second half has basically been a complete and total ace again. He's been lights out. Carrasco is the one that worries me a little bit in his last few starts because it, it doesn't seem like he's locating things as well. And he doesn't seem just kind of watching him pitch. He doesn't seem to have that same confidence, which who knows if I'm even able to judge pitchers confidence by watching them throw, but it just doesn't seem like he's got that same, whatever it is that makes him great when he's great. It doesn't appear to be there at the moment. So that's a little concerning. And of course, Salazar had his, his arm injury and is working to recover from that. But Carrasco is the one that sticks out to me is sort of being when he's really good, the, Starters are unstoppable, I think. And then if he's not at his usual number one slash number two level, it it hurts. Yeah, it's a weird game last night in that uh, he, I think, struck out 11, um, but, you know, gave up, I think, five runs through, you know, six and change. Um, so the strikeouts are great. Uh, you know, and the runs aren't. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, if you, if you look at, like, the starting rotation's ERA in the second half, it's like, more than a run higher than it was in the first half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, like you said, Kluber has continued to be great uh, after kind of a slow start to the season. And everyone else, no one looks bad to me, just, like, less consistently good. In tonight's game, Danny Salazar came back. Uh, I've multiple times in the podcast have told Matt that uh, I wanted Salazar just to be basically told you're not going to touch a baseball for two or three weeks. You're not going to be back in the rotation till September. Uh, not surprisingly, the Indians completely ignored what I thought they should do. Uh, but he really struggled in his one inning of work tonight, and then they pulled him. Uh, and then sort of an odd scene where he went out to the bullpen to keep pitching sort of like a spring training game where they apparently had a certain number of pitches they wanted him to throw 
And since he didn't meet that before getting pulled, I guess the good news about that is the fact that they had him throw more presumably means like it wasn't like his elbow or something was bothering him. Right. But a pretty discouraging first game back. And I know for me, at least, because I felt like I wanted them to give him more rest. uh, Not like an I told, I guess a little bit an I told you so thing, but mostly just a concern that um, is is he not ready to be back yet? Uh, What do you think? He was definitely throwing hard when he was out there. So, I mean, to your point about him not being hurt, of course, they wouldn't make him hit that pitch number by going into the bullpen. And the fact that he was hitting his usual fastball velocities was great. But um, it definitely seemed like the control was not there. And I know a lot of some of the people on Twitter and some of the people on the Let's Go Tribe game thread were saying like maybe we should have sent him down to columbus for at least one start if we were going to do this because sure it's really only missing one or two starts but that's still 15 days or so without live pitching in a game which people always talk about pitchers being creatures of habit and you get into a groove of pitching every five days and then all of a sudden you have a little not that it was a vacation, but it was kind of a mini vacation from starting, having to come back in and immediately come back to form and not getting to ease back into it is definitely hard. So I agree with you. I think it definitely would have benefited him and it would have benefited the Indians to ease him back into it more slowly. Yeah. And, you know, by the, by the time anyone is listening to this podcast, we'll presumably, you know, we'll have quotes from Francona or Callaway or maybe Salazar himself uh, and have a little more information in terms of, you know, what the thought process was between behind getting him out of the game, but wanting him to throw more, you know, he walked three of the first four batters he faced uh, and then gave up a bases clearing double. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's a little strange to me that if they felt like his, his arm is fine, that they pulled him out of the game that quickly. Uh, So we'll have to see what's there, but yeah, for me right now, the starting rotation, I wouldn't say it's a concern, um, but as I said before, it's just everyone but Kluber's felt really inconsistent lately. Right. Nice to see them get things going. Uh, you know, the offense has been fantastic. Uh, you know, the, the lead, which at one point was down to two, was back up to six coming into today. Uh, so in terms of like the team's overall position, I feel good about things. But the the, the supposed to be strength of the team the rotation uh just hasn't felt like it lately so hopefully we get good news on salazar and again carrasco i you know from a certain angle i guess you could say he had a great game last night with 11 strikeouts and no walks uh but he hasn't he hasn't put it all together for like you said like for for a really good you know sort of classic carrasco game for a little while yeah in august so far he's thrown 24 and a third innings uh his era is 6.66 so Always a good sign, that. Um, 30 hits, 12 of which are doubles. Five home runs allowed. Uh, Only four walks, but again, guys are hitting close to 300 against him with a weighted on base of 380. So not the Carrasco we're used to. And hopefully it's just, you know, him having the bad month that pitchers occasionally have from time to time, where for whatever reason, a couple of starts in a row two or three starts in a row don't go well. Um, but just, it's a little discouraging. 
Yeah, I mean, we, you know, you said you feel like Washington, you don't feel like his command is there. And on the one hand, you look at, you know, no no walks the last couple of starts, and it feels like, well, so no, his command must be good, but it's possible that his control is there, and he's able to throw strikes. But in terms of command and kind of putting pitches more specifically where he wants them, uh, it does feel like he's maybe missing some of his spots. Uh, but we'll see. You know, like we said, the, the lead was back up to six. The Tigers won, so if the Indians don't come back tonight, it'll be five. But that's still a pretty... Solid lead with a quarter of the season left. Mm-hmm. How about the bullpen? Uh, there's been, you know, I think, you know, tribe fandom wide, a lot of talk in the last couple of days about bullpen just because uh, Wednesday night, Cody Allen, uh, you know, entered the game with a big lead in the ninth and then left the game with a, a big deficit in the ninth. Um, so I know a lot of people saying, you know, that's a sign that Andrew Miller should be closing. I know Matt and I both like the arrangement. Um, what do you think in terms of bullpen roles and are you concerned about Allen at all? No, I think Allen's going to be fine. If, if for people who watched that game, it was three hits that were almost outs. I mean, especially the blooper, I forget who hit it, but it just landed fair right next to the foul line. That was basically the best hit ball up until Eaton's grand slam. That's got to be super frustrating for Cody Allen, but the Indians entered the game. I think it was 62 and zero when they led going into the eighth or ninth inning. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about Allen. And I think the way that we've been using Andrew Miller is great he's the best reliever and we've been using him in situations that are typically close to, if not the highest leverage point of the game. So you're putting your best pitcher available in when he can do the most damage to the other team. And that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I feel the same way. I think, you know, uh, to some extent, let's go tribe is kind of a bubble within Indians fandom. And I think this is, one of those areas where uh, most of us all really like the bullpen situation. And I think it's easy to lose fat, lose sight of the fact that, you know, if you start just kind of look checking in on Indians fans who aren't a part of sort of our, our, our little community. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who, when the trade was made, felt like Miller should be closer. And then of course, you know, when Allen gives up a grand slam, it's the same thing, but the night before, Andrew Miller came into a one-run game, pitched the seventh and the eighth, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, and to me, you, you can't have a better use of a fantastic reliever than, you know, two shutout innings when he came in with a one-run lead. Nope. It was beautiful. And I mean, we know Francona is not going to have any concerns about Cody Allen from one bad game, nor should he. Um, so I don't, I don't think we're going to see... Anything changed? So I, I, I've been really happy with how Francona has used the bullpen since he got Miller. Brian Shaw has, you know, has been good again. Uh, really, I think Brian Shaw has been good since like the first two weeks of the season. Uh, with the reliever, your ERA just takes forever to recover, and he's had a couple right. other bad games. Um, but yeah, I feel like the bullpen is a strength right now. And again, I keep kind of coming back to right now. What feels the shakiest is the starting rotation, which is just sort of an odd sensation. Uh, given expectations. And the starting rotation hasn't been bad, uh, but since the All-Star break, they've been pretty average overall. Which is definitely strange, because I can remember 
but right before the streak leading into it, people were pointing out how much better the Indians rotation was. I think effectively wild actually had a question on their podcast where they asked, would you rather have the Indians starting rotation or the best pitcher on every other team in the American league? And they were like, well, that's tough. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how good they were pitching at one point. So I guess it is kind of the disparity between that and where now they're just kind of average feels like such a drop off. Yeah. Well, we, uh, I'm going to jump ahead for a second. You know, we, we do social media questions that we get usually at the end of every episode. Uh, and one of the ones we're going to talk about, but it just feels like a natural fit right now. So I'll bring it up. Uh, Ryan Florentine, uh, through Twitter asked, uh, any thoughts on going to a six man rotation with Clevenger, uh, down the stretch to keep the other guys, you know, Salazar, especially from arm fatigue, uh, what do you think? Would you be up for them using a six-man rotation? Or do you think, you know, Clevenger, who who came in tonight eventually, and what did he pitch, three or four innings without, you know, I think he gave up one run in four innings maybe. Um, do you like the idea of a six-man rotation? Or to you is that, you know, Corey Kluber's, you could have him pitching every fifth inning, every six. You know, what do you think? I'm all about being progressive and trying new things when it comes to starting pitching especially but pitching in general so would i like to see teams or the indians experiment with a six-man rotation yes but doing it to prevent arm fatigue in salazar i mean kind of like we said if we're concerned about his arm this being a guy who's already had Tommy John surgery and some people think is kind of destined to blow out his elbow again, just shut him down for a little bit. Like I I would be concerned if we're, I don't, I don't know how much that one extra day of rest does for a guy compared to resting him and then slowly bringing him back for the postseason or for the run at the end of the season in September. If I had my dream scenario, the Indians would set it up so that you have a beginning, like the someone's scheduled to pitch the first three innings, then you switch handedness for the middle three innings, and then you switch handedness again for the last three innings, and you would just have like a platoon of 12 guys who go every four days. That's never going to happen. I'd love to see somebody try it. They'd probably be fired once they submitted the first lineup card. That scenario, if the guy who starts the game, you know, gets the first nine guys out, you know, without allowing any base runners, would you really still pull a guy who had, you know, just mowed down the lineup once? If he, I mean, if he goes through and faces the minimum, then in that situation, you have a little bit of flexibility, but it would just be, it'd be so much fun to try just to see how it would go. Cause I know we, after, was it Tuesday's game? Whenever Tomlin gave up the home run to Ortiz, I guess it that was, was Monday, Monday against Boston. Yeah. The, the game recap discussion about the third time through the order penalty. It would just be interesting to see a situation where you avoid that altogether. And sometimes maybe a guy doesn't even see batters, a second time, depending on when you bring on the pitchers. But obviously, if someone goes through and is pitching lights out, then yeah, you would let him go four, maybe five. But it would just, that's my ideal scenario, because then you're going to make sure that 
you can prepare for the starting pitcher being a righty, but at some point you're throwing a lefty back in, and then if they adjust to that, you're switching the hands again later in the game. And then everybody's going to stay relatively well-rested, except for some situations that you would face even with a normal rotation where somebody gets shelled and you've got to throw in extra arms and then people are a bit tired. But you can correct for that. So uh, that Corey Kluber is going to go for your plan. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in, in terms of being prepared in case your starter has a hard time, uh, after tonight's game, next up for the Indians uh, is the end of this long homestand they're on. Uh, three games against the Blue Jays, uh, who have a, a very good offense. And sort of like the uh, flip side of the coin to the Indians, they were expected to be carried by their offense uh, and just have okay pitching. And instead, they've had a really good offense, but they've also had really good pitching. Uh, they're in first place in the AL East right now, uh, 69 and 52. Uh, definitely a sort of a, you know a postseason preview series potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Blue Jays? Where did Jay Hap come from? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I know he was good down the stretch with Pittsburgh last season, but it, it's it's just. He's been incredible. <laughs> yeah, he has been. I mean, I think if the season ended right now, he would win the AL Cy Young. Uh, for yeah. anyone who hasn't noticed what a good season J.A. Happ is having, who's like, like a 33-year-old, you know, I mean, he's been around for a long time, but he's never been an all-star or anything like that. Uh, but at the moment, he is 17-3 and with a 3.05 ERA. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's having a fantastic season, and you know, that, that record is helped by great run support that he's gotten, too. But again, uh, you know, a 305 ERA uh, is really, really good. Um, yeah, I, that's a good question. Where did that come from? And, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, a situation like that, if and he, he was on the Blue Jays. He's been on the Blue Jays before, and then he mm-hmm. wasn't on them last year, but he might have been with them as recently as two years ago. So it, it wouldn't be like like a totally new coaching staff, I don't think. I don't know. It's just it's interesting when, you know, a guy much closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career, uh, you know, puts together suddenly. And you're right, though. He, he was good with Pittsburgh down the stretch last year, but I certainly did not see this coming. I'm um, for I'm me, I mean, I still, I'm, I wouldn't have mentioned their pitching if it hadn't been impressive, but their lineup is still what I'm drawn to. Uh, but Jose Bautista, I know, is on the DL right now. Um, what are your thoughts on that series? You said anything but a, but a sweep against the Angels would have felt disappointing. How about against the first place Blue Jays? You need a sweep? Are you happy with two out of three? I would say as long as we don't get swept, that's fine. Obviously, you want to take the series but they're they're a very good team and as long as the games are close and the indians do a fairly decent job of proving to some of the doubters that yes they are capable of playing against good teams in the american league which some people think they just can't for some reason but if they kind of like we were saying about the starting pitching if we can limit that offense a little bit and at least put if the Indians can put themselves in position to win those games, that's good enough for me because you get to the postseason, you get that sort of atmosphere. As long as you're giving yourself a chance to win those games, 
I think that's kind of the key. You don't want to get into a situation where you're down four going into the sixth inning in October. Right. I guess you yeah, don't want to put pitching yourself matchups, in Pitching matchups Friday night, Bauer going for the Indians uh, and Francisco Liriano going for the Blue Jays. They picked him up for the trade line. Sort of a weird acquisition. He's obviously had a lot of success in the past, but it's been kind of a mess this season. Uh, and then Saturday... We don't know who's going to pitch for the Indians. Tomlin is scheduled to start, uh, but Josh Tomlin is uh, back home in Texas right now. Yesterday, the Indians announced he'd been put on the uh, bereavement list, uh, which means he's eligible to be away for from three to five games. Um, so he could be back for Saturday. We haven't heard anything otherwise. Um, but that's sort of the, the other thing about Salazar struggling tonight and then Clevenger going in and pitching well. Um, if Salazar had been able to pitch, you know, a normal game tonight, then, you know, Clevenger would have been the, the obvious starter for Saturday's game if Tomlin wasn't back. Right. Uh, but now Clevenger won't be available for Saturday. So if Tomlin's not back, who do you, you know, think I guess we're looking at someone getting called up from Columbus, maybe Ryan Merritt. Um, so who knows who we're going to get in that matchup, which is tough because, uh, the Blue Jays have Aaron Sanchez going that night. Another guy having a, a fantastic season that'll have him, you know, probably listed on a couple Cy Young ballots if he keeps things up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like Saturday is sort of the worst-looking matchup for the Indians, uh, and then Sunday Kluber goes again. So that's always a good matchup for the Indians against Marcus Stroman uh, for Toronto, another good starter. So Friday's game would be big because Saturday looks like the tough one, uh, and you never want to lose the first games of a series, even with Kluber coming for the third one. Uh, looking at the AL East, uh, you know, Toronto's got a narrow lead right now. Boston and Baltimore both pretty far behind them. Um, who would you, of those three teams, if the Indians were going to play one of them, you know, in a, in a playoff series, who would you most want them to play and who would you least want them to play? I want to say I would want the Blue Jays in a series. Because I feel like, and I mean, maybe we'll get swept and I'll look like an idiot, but I feel like they're kind of a similar team in that they've got solid pitching. Uh, not everybody's producing on the offense. I mean, I don't, Bautista's not really having the kind of year you expect out of him. And sure, he's been hurt. But I think they're, they're kind of, we're kind of similar teams in that the run differential is pretty close to being the same. The records are pretty close to being the same. There's, I think we could take them. And then we've struggled a little bit with the Orioles this season and the Red Sox, for whatever reason, always terrify me, which is probably because of 2007. Yeah, I mean, the, the Red Sox also have, like, a crazy good offense right now that it's just no fun to have to face them because there's never, like, a, a spot where you can catch your breath. For me, the Red Sox are the team I don't want to play, partially because I think they're the best team and partially just because losing to them would be far more aggravating to me on a personal level. (laughs) Not that I want them to lose to anyone, of course, but yeah, I I would be watching an Indians Red Sox series just with a sense of dread. And you're right, 2007, you know, probably a big part of that in 1999 when Pedro came in out of relief and just sort of ended the Indians. Uh, Yeah, Boston's a team I don't want to play. I'd rather play Baltimore than Toronto just because despite the fact that they've been good all season, I just can't quite buy into a team with that pitching staff uh, as good. 
So Baltimore is the team I would like to see them play. Uh, it feels like all three of them might make the postseason. It feels like whoever doesn't win that division, the other two, uh, if the season ended right now, would be the wild card teams. So there's, if the Indians are gonna even, you know, even in the the first round of the you know the, the division series, uh, the most likely thing is they're playing one of those teams. Uh, how about, uh, you know, we won't go beyond the AL East. We got the Blue Jays coming up this week. It's a really good division. Uh, you know, the worst team in the division is, by record, Tampa Bay. Uh, but they've only been outscored by 20 runs all season. The AL East, you know, they, they spend more than other divisions and continue to be really strong. Uh, and if the Blue Jays win that division, whoever wins that division, uh, you don't do it without earning it because you've got to go through a lot. Um, in terms of Toronto, you know, you, you mentioned that Jose Bautista not having quite as good a season as you usually expect. Uh, on the other hand, Josh Donaldson, who was the MVP last year, has been pretty much as good this year. Um, Edwin Encarnacion having another big, big season. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were if you were betting on – well, not betting on who, – who in that lineup do you least want – like I feel like with the Red Sox, David Ortiz, just because he's had so many big hits against the Indians over the years, like he's – I'm so sick of seeing David Ortiz do. <laughs> He's like the last guy I want to see up in a big situation against the Indians. Is there a, and the Blue Jays? Uh, you know, if Bautista comes back with his pad, you know, who who do you least want to see up at the plate in a big moment if the Indians are playing the Blue Jays? It would be Donaldson for me. I think Encarnacion's got the edge in at least this season in terms of the long ball, but Donaldson just has such a good approach at the plate. I mean, he's basically, I think his on-base percent, yeah, it's 399 again so far this season. So even up against our starters or somebody like Andrew Miller, he's got the kind of approach where he can fight his way through an 0-2 count, get himself into a position where he can maybe wait on a good pitch or wait for somebody to make a mistake. So that's why he's sort of a little bit more quiet in the way that he's terrifying. He's still... (laughs) destroys the baseball when he turns on it but he, i just yeah no i think i'm in the same player, boat i mean i think <laughs> ultimately you know he doesn't have quite the same home run power as Encarnacion or bautista but as an overall hitter you know he's the best and is just about the best in baseball um so i think that's a a solid response uh last week on the podcast we had a uh you know one of the social media questions that we answered um, had to do with what the Indians would do uh, with their outfield, given that Abraham Almonte, because of his uh, suspension, isn't eligible for the postseason. Uh, it was someone named Marty who sent in the question. And I don't think we gave Marty a great answer. Uh, I think, you know, Matt and I both just kind of shrugged off Almonte's contributions and said, you know, what, they were without him for half the season, you know, they'll be fine. Um, so I wanted to go back to that a little bit just because I think one legitimate thing and, you know, part of the inspiration for the question in the first place was the Indians have done so much platooning in the outfield. Um, and so there's, you know, sort of a sense that they don't have without Almonte, who's been playing almost every game since he came back. Um, you know, you mentioned, we've talked about Brandon Geyer, we want to talk a little bit more about, uh, and so Brandon Geyer and, um, Rajay Davis, you know, both in the lineup against lefties, and then Chisenhall and Naquin both against righties. But Francona has sort of preferred not 
to play any of those four guys that much against their platoon advantage. Um, so just kind of circling back to talk about that question a little bit more, what would you do? Would you, uh, you know, do you think the Indians need to try to go get someone? Would you look at calling someone up? Uh, Michael Martinez, what, what would you do? What, what's your outfield look like without Almonte? I keep voting for him in various ways, but I think it's time to bring up Diaz because he gives you the flexibility since he can also play third base where you can put Jose Ramirez out in the outfield, who's a switch hitter and has done well from both sides of the plate this year. Uh, I think that definitely that flexibility helps you out a lot. And compared to what we had with Uribe at third base in the beginning of the season, I think Diaz is an upgrade both defensively and offensively from Matt. So I'm not sure what his cutoff eligibility would be for when we need to bring him up for him to be postseason eligible. But I think that he's probably a little bit more ready to contribute this season than someone like Zimmer, who probably, at least from what I've heard, can benefit from possibly a little bit more time in AAA next year as well, just from his approach at the plate. Yeah. Yeah, I think... uh... You know, in terms of Diaz being more ready to help, uh, you know, both in terms of his hitting right now and his versatility, uh, and I think he's a more logical solution than Zimmer. I don't think we're going to see Zimmer up this year. Uh, I think he'd have to be just tearing the cover off the ball for the Indians to want to start his clock and bring him up, and he doesn't—he just doesn't look like a big upgrade. So there's no reason to do any of that. Um, I also would be fine. You know, you. And this is where I want to get back to Geyer, because having thought about it more, my answer to Marty's question is they should just stop worrying about the platoon so much. And so, you know, Geyer getting to start against the righty and picking up three hits against that righty, you know, hopefully means he'll start to be more of a two-way player. I mean, he's going to come back to earth. I think his his OPS since he joined the Indians is like 1,200 or something like that. That's obviously not sustainable. Uh, but he's looked really good. And what, you know, what a great trade that's looking like. Yes. Um, you know, I, I didn't think much of it either way when it happened. I understood the logic of it for the Indians. Um, but he's been great so far. And sort of a continuing trend of the Indians in the last, I mean, decade, really, if you want to go back. Uh, you know, they, they've made so many seemingly second or third year tier trades that have worked out well. I mean, Jan Gomes really, really struggling this year. Um, but the production they've gotten out of him since he was basically the throw-in, you know, in a trade for a relief pitcher, um, the front office seems to be really good at targeting guys that the other team might just be like, yeah, whatever, we'll throw him in, we don't care. Um, and Geyer's looked great, so I, I hope we we see him playing against lefties and righties the rest of the way and see how he does in that role. And as hot as he's been, I feel like you have to keep him in the lineup. He played. 63 games for the Rays this season and had an offensive war of 1.1. And then in 11 games for the Indians, he's at 0.6 already. (laughs) His OPS plus right now is 206 for Cleveland. So he's been, he's been quite good. (laughs) Yeah. And I I will mention this, this won't be news to anyone listening because this has all happened by now, Uh, but the Indians, tied up the game so we're, we're now looking at 4-4 going into the ninth uh rajay davis doubled in a run in the seventh uh and then jose ramirez uh singled in a run in the eighth so 
We'll go to the ninth, and Andrew Miller has been brought in to pitch in the, uh, in a tie game in the ninth. So uh, we'll see. Maybe the lead will be six games after tonight after all. Hopefully. Um, all right. So moving back to the social media questions that I didn't already pull out of line. Um, so one of the questions we got uh, came from uh, Logan Andrus through Facebook. And I don't know if this question came in before tonight or not, uh, but his question was, is Danny Salazar broken? Uh, is Michael Brantley broken? Uh, and is my iPad broken or is Apple just trying to get an upsell? Uh, so what do you think? Where are you at on Salazar, on Brantley, and on Logan's iPad? With Salazar, I'm not concerned. With Brantley, Sometimes I'll be taking a walk trying to keep my mind off of the frightening things in life and my mind drifts back to Brantley and I wonder if I wonder if he's just another player who's been robbed of all of the good baseball that he deserves. Then the iPad it's it's toast. It's time for <laughs> it's time for an upgrade there. Yeah, I think uh Apple runs all sorts of scams. So I mean that seems pretty straightforward. Uh Salazar I'm not like concerned that tonight means he's he's you know broken, uh, but as I've already said, I think they should have held him out longer. I wish they'd held him out longer. Uh, I'll be interested to see what people have to say after the game tonight about him. And then Brantley, I think they made the right decision with just you know committing to the surgery now. Yes. You know, it felt like they'd sort of been trying half measures for a while and just kind of committed to he's not going to be back this year. What can we do that gives him the best chance? Of being successful next year um but yeah we definitely just have to wait and see you know last week uh i was sort of comparing his situation to travis hafner who also had shoulder trouble um and you know and he had a hard time staying on the field and when he was in the field still hit pretty well but not as well as he had certainly and you're right i mean it does it's impossible not to wonder uh you know if we've seen the last of michael brantley you know all-star performer uh, next question from uh, Rick Freeman through Twitter. He asks, uh, have fans stopped giving Carlos Santana a, and then this is a family program, so I'll clean it up a little <laughs> bit, but fans stopped giving Carlos Santana grief uh, for pretty much everything. Uh, I'll jump in on this one first just because uh, it's well known I adore Carlos Santana. Um, I do feel like he hasn't been getting as much grief, but I also feel like a huge number of Indians fans still, it does, it takes so much less for people to jump on Santana than it does for say Mike Napoli, who is a really similar player. I mean, the two of them share first base in DH. Uh, they have fairly similar offensive numbers this season. Uh, and when Napoli has a terrible at bat or a bad couple games. I don't see any of the same sort of stuff that still does crop up with Santana. Um, but I also open to the possibility that because I love Carlos, I'm overly sensitive and I'm exaggerating how much he's criticized. Uh, so what have you noticed? I think the point about Napoli and Santana is really interesting, actually just I think by the purely offensive numbers, Napoli's having a little bit of a better year, but they are similar. I think the main difference is that Napoli's got a little bit more power, which is sexier, and then Santana's got a little bit of a better eye and draws walks, which 
even though we've had the quote unquote Moneyball revolution, there are still people that hate Joey Votto because he doesn't swing the bat. It's like, sorry that he's been a top five hitter for his entire life. Like, <laughs> so I, I, part of me wonders if that has something to do with the people still frustrated at Santana, just because he's, he's clearly got serious home run power so it might just be people frustrated that he, in their mind, isn't using it when they think he should be. But you're right that for whatever reason, I, I like he goes 0 for 4 in a game or something, and all of a sudden the Santana haters are back out of the woodwork yelling about... Um, I think last week Lyons said, hashtag cut the bum. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next question comes from Daniel Diaz on Facebook. Uh, and he says, why is a first place team like the Indians drawing only 13,000 fans uh, to see them play? So uh, do you have any thoughts or insights on the attendance situation? That, part of it's just because they've only played one game in the playoffs since since 2007, right? It was just the wild card play-in in 2013. Yep. So... You kind of saw it with the Royals as well when they started playing very good baseball again. They weren't having great attendance, but then they went deep in the playoffs, had very good attendance in the year where they ended up winning the World Series, and now they're they're doing much better than they were for the 30 years before that when they were just the, the stupid Royals who could never win anything. So I think there's... While the Indians are doing phenomenally well, there's still that feeling of... Sure, they're playing great, but it's just been a few months now. If they go deep in the playoffs this season, I think we'll definitely see a huge uptick next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, in the, the thirteen thousand was was the number the question used. Uh, I will say uh, the Indians have not drawn only thirteen thousand for a game in a while. Uh, you know, they've had some in the mid-teens. They've also had a number of games in the twenties, and you know, a couple even poking up into the 30s. Um, so I do think attendance has gotten better. I also do think Cleveland seems slower, and I say this as a city or a fan base, uh, a little bit slower to sort of get on the bandwagon than it seems like a lot of other fan bases have been. Uh, you know, the Indians have been way down in attendance for a while, despite not being, like, the worst team. I mean, they've been, you know, a winning record each of Francona's three seasons. Right. I think you're right that postseason success does dramatically more than regular season success. Um, ultimately, I just, and maybe this is just a, an effect of having talked about it so many times. I always sort of feel like I just have to shrug my shoulders about the attendance. Like, I don't know what, it, you know, why more people don't come out. Uh, you know, economic reasons, you know, for a long time made sense. And of course, for a lot of people, I'm sure, are still a big factor. Uh, but it's not like Cleveland is the only city that's faced any of that. Um, I mostly just tune out the attendance stuff and don't worry about it. Um, I think you're right, though. You know, they continue to play well. I expect they'll have good crowds in September. Uh, and if, you know, they win a playoff series, you know, sold out games for the postseason. And I think that's what it would take to get a noticeable bump for the next year. Uh, and I think then coming off a of postseason, you know, a season with some postseason success, uh, you'll have more people from the beginning of next season. You'll have more people willing to jump on pretty quickly. So I think that's kind of 
what it would take. But attendance wasn't fantastic in 2008 coming off the ALCS either. So, I mean, whatever reasons, the Indians have not drawn much for, you know, a decade now. But I don't know. It just sort of is what it is. And it's, it's less compelling to me than what's actually happening on the field, regardless of how many people are watching it. Can we just blame it on the Browns? Uh, I, I'm happy to blame everything on the Browns, <laughs> you know, attendance or otherwise. So, yes, we can go with that. Uh, the last question for tonight, uh, putting us on the spot, uh, Matt McPhee through Facebook asks, uh, how many games are the Indians going to win in the regular season? Matt McPhee from Facebook, he says he'll go with 95. So if you have to pick a number, the Indians uh, are 68 and 50 at the moment. So if you... How many games are they going to win? I feel comfortable saying 91. All right, so 91 and 71, that would mean playing just slightly above 500 the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. And do you anticipate that 91 wins will be enough to win the division? I would think so. It would take Detroit pummeling people the rest of the way for 91 to not do it because I just since September, we basically play against only our division. If we managed to play basically 500 ball, the rest of the way that unless for whatever reason, we gave back our nine or 10 win advantage against the Tigers that should get us there. I think the key is winning enough to avoid the stupid play in game, but just above 90 is my prediction. Yeah, they've got seven games against Detroit the last two and a half weeks of the season. And uh, if the Indians win three or four of those, then Detroit's got a lot of ground to make up in other games, uh, which isn't easy to do. I said last week, my I, I want the Indians to have clinched the division before the last week because, or to have like a, you know, a five game lead going into the last week. Because if they're playing Detroit in Detroit for four games the last week and it's close, um, I'm going to have, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to call into work and stuff like that. I'm not going to be able to function <laughs> watching those games, so I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but, yeah, I feel pretty good about the Indians. I feel I, I, Picking a number, uh, I'll pick 92. I think 95 is high. Uh, I think the, the Cubs are the only team we're going to see win that many or more games, uh, most likely. But I'll say 92. Uh, and at the risk of the Lucard effect sinking the ship, I think 92 wins will be enough for the Indians to win the division. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to clinch it early, but there's just when you have a close playoff race like that at the end of the season, that's exciting baseball. So on the one hand, yes, I would love to be a little bit more relaxed going into October, but that would be such a fun series. Does it stink that it would be in Detroit? Yes, but oh. See, I'm going to bypass that fun just while looking forward to the fun of the postseason. I, I could be okay with the Indians like still fighting for, you know, best record in the American League and home field and stuff like that. Um, but I would like Detroit buried before that week. Uh, all right, well, any other thoughts from you on either the last week or the week ahead or anything else going on in your life that you just need a kind ear for? The only thing with the Indians at the moment is... Just taking a look at the schedule after we have Toronto, there's going to be a stretch at Oakland, which I'm not worried about. But there's a four-game series against the Rangers 
uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series towards the end of August that should be pretty interesting to see because while the Rangers are ahead in the AL West, they kind of feel like some sort of practical joke against Pythagorean win-loss because their run differential is really not very good. And yet somehow they still continue to win baseball games and still have a six and a half game lead in their division. So I'd love to see the Indians go out and, and sweep that series and pull the rug out from under the Rangers. All right. Matt Schlichting, Rangers hater. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, my last thing, I sort of teased this last week. Uh, I'm actually going to be in Cleveland at the game this Saturday night. Uh, a few weeks ago, I won a trivia contest on Twitter uh, and initially thought the prize was like an autographed baseball or something, but instead the prize was a couple seats, uh, a couple tickets for the game. The tickets are actually just a throw-in for the real prize, which is fairly ridiculous, and I'm tremendously excited about it. Uh, it's not exactly clear to me if it's going to be before the top of the six or before the bottom of the six. Uh, but at some point, while the grounds crew is, you know, raking the dirt and packing the mound back down, uh, I'm going to be running from near the dugout out to second base, where I will remove second base from the dirt, hold it over my head like Ricky Henderson, and then run back off the field before they yell at me. Uh, yes. Which, I have no idea how they thought up this contest, uh, but... That's that's going to be my Saturday night. So Saturday night, I will be at second base briefly for the Indians. But just so you know, we're going to break down your form. There's going to be thousands of words. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> bummed because like I, it can't be televised because I've never seen anyone else do it. So unfortunately, I don't think it will be on the broadcast. We'll find a way. Um, so yeah, and, and and I'm pretty sure just the grounds crew will be on the field. Like I don't think Lindor and Kipnis are going to be there, which is probably for the best because I'm a yokel and they don't need to have to interact with me during the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like good for the Indians for coming up with this completely ridiculous. And I don't know what I'm going to do with second base. Like I, I mean, I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to keep it, of course. Um, but I've, like, I've never been to someone's house and they had, like, a base on their mantle. So it's going to be an interesting souvenir. That's an amazing promotion, though. I'm pretty envious. <laughs> so next week on the podcast, uh, whether we have video of it or not, I'll be able to give you my uh, breakdown of this ridiculous situation I'm getting myself into in a couple of days. So on that note, uh, that's our show for tonight. Uh, Matt Lyons should be back with us next week unless he's out to dinner again or falls in the shower again or doesn't have his computer again or still hasn't caught those Pokemon. Uh, in the meantime, you know, the Indians heading to Toronto this weekend and hopefully coming away. With, I'm not sorry, heading to Toronto, hosting Toronto. I'm going to be there, of course. I should know these things. Uh, and then after that, starting a road trip. So heading out to Oakland to start a road trip. So a week from now, uh, we'll, we'll know what happened tonight. We'll have three against Toronto, three against Oakland. Uh, so hopefully we've got more wins than losses to talk about. In the meantime, if you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And uh, thanks for listening. I don't know the words of this outro song.
before it's like midnight, I'm going to bed.